Dancing in the apocalypse! I gotta get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and sparkle, Neely, sparkle! I know what some of your big city no bra wearing hairy legged women livers might say. Welcome to Maximum Film. How you doing? It is episode 230, and I'm feeling flirty. It's your host, Ify Waddy Way, and in the booth with me are my friends. So let me introduce you to the AMs. First up, we have the Christmas Zeddy himself, esteemed critic and movie watcher, Alonzo Duralde. What's good? Hey, Ify, what time is it when you have to go to the dentist? Oh, um... Oh, I know. It's 2.30! 2.30! Oh, that's a good one. You're I like a comedy that. professional. How, do you, how did you I, miss this in school? Yeah, I know. Well, because I never say hurdy. <laughs> you should start. It'll take off. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. What? I never say tooth, and for some reason I said tooth hurdy. Oh, I'm a big so. tooth. That, I had no problems with that. I'm yeah. tooth gang till I die. <laughs> What's good with me is um, we've had a lot of great guests on the show, and a bunch of them have cool stuff happening out in the world. So I wanted to uh, mention it real quick. A friend of the show, Nathan Rabin, uh, who was on recently to talk about Kids Stays in the Picture, has a hilarious new book out called uh, The Joy of Trash. River Butcher has a stand-up special that uh, is going to drop on Comedy Central's YouTube channel. Has dropped by the time this show is out. So go check that out at um, youtube.com slash stand up and river of course also appearing this week on maximum funds own feeling scene so you can check out that interview uh before or after you watch the stand-up show and i had a third one and it has completely flown out of my head so i'll think of it while dre is talking and interrupt her Yes. yes, yes. Well, before the interruption begins, let's introduce the queen of the Midwest herself, the booking baroness, Drea Clark. What's good? What's exciting about that, if he is, my what's good is a book. <laughs> um, so I'm going to keep doing this because now it's very funny. I had a birthday recently. It was like a month ago now, but it was recent. And my BFF Miranda in Minnesota sent me a box of goodies. Um, and in that box was the book um, Call Us What We Carry by Amanda Gorman, who many people were introduced to because she did the inaugural poem at Biden's inauguration. Mm. Um, she's an incredible activist and writer. And I I was not familiar with this book and then I read it and it wrecked me in a great way. But it's basically, it's a recounting of the last two years. It's like a document of the sort of loss and grief and weirdness. And it has um, poems, but in a lot of different forms. Like there's some experimental stuff. There's letters, things that feel just like ephemera. It's it's pretty magical. Um, but in terms of just a poet trying to take on the emotional collective emotional status of a nation is kind of impressive and anyway i've really enjoyed it it's been nice very it's yeah it's great for introspection i remembered what the third one was and yes. the, the book reminded me oh, uh, good. the great mary joe peel is now doing a twitch show i still don't understand twitch although i know it's one of if he's main haunts one of us one uh, of us she uh, uh, over at dumb industry she has the mary joe peel show and they have very craftily used the old mary tyler moore font as her logo which i love uh dave and i were just on because she had the partridge family book club um, where we discussed the 17 tie-in novels that came out in the early 1970s tied to the Partridge Family TV show. Uh, but she Did also, you read them all? 
Uh, no, I did not. I oh, didn't, didn't read God. any of them, but David read one or two. Uh, but she does like, you know, she's a mystery science theater alum, so she'll do like some bad movie stuff. She has read from her high school diary. She has had all kinds of different shows. She's super funny, and you should absolutely go check it out. She the was Mary Joe Peel show. She, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The, our former yeah. guests doing cool shit out in the world. The Mary Joe Peel show on Twitch. Ooh, got you, got that's you. Great. I forgot your connective tie there. Yeah, yeah. That's on me for Listen, not remembering still, all at the same time. I'm still ruminating 2.30. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, look. It, still it's, working it's, through that. It, you know, Alonzo was just making an avatar of references. The the time in which you did your What's Good is symbolic to the decade that will be between the first <laughs> avatar and these uh, sequels. That Two through nine. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, but I will say, the moment you said my BFF Miranda, I, now I'd like to imagine that y'all were the sex in the city girls of Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> if you knew Miranda and I, that would be very funny. Uh, yeah, imagine those women, but in a lot more canoes. That was more our energy. Sex in yeah. the pontoon. Like, Ooh. we worked in a summer camp together for Five to seven years. Yeah. Mm. I'm sorry. I'm sending a picture of Miranda to everyone. The idea of her in any kind of <laughs> fitted garment or heels, like the best thing <laughs> If he what's good. Yeah. Uh, well, my what's good is what I thought might be Drea's what's good, but I have a suspicion that it's a little too early to be Drea's what's good, but my what's good is indeed the Sundance Film Fest. Uh, I've been uh, diving in. Uh, I've, I've, I will skip the minor grievances I have because I've tes- texted them directly to Drea. As if I'm uh, the ticketing Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Literally, and, uh, he sent me questions on how the passes work. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we got it cleared up. We got it it cleared up and you know i got the awards passed so this weekend i'm gonna be able to watch all the award winners which is kind of like you know uh vote for the ones that i'm trying to see uh that's just a lesson <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 just but you know because you know i definitely got to see uh you know uh uh genius you know i gotta see the kanye doc that was in my section oh really okay oh, yeah. so that's i'm real excited but and um and everyone's been saying a lot of good things uh, about but i'm not gonna say it because Dre is probably going to call about next week but the shorts have been amazing and inspiring uh for me so i'm jazzed up creatively and super hyped uh to dive into the award winners this week and the shorts you're watching via the explorer pass which is currently still available (laughs) yes and it's only like 50 bucks you can see all the shorts all the indie episodics all the talks all the things like that anyway yeah you're still wanting to know if you can Hop well worth for the a money. Smaller commitment. Yeah. Yeah. The 50, 50 bucks in the, I mean, the, they're stellar. De- definitely well worth it. If you're like, for some reason, like, well, I want a long film. Guess what? You can add, you could buy a ticket when that's available. Good luck on that though. Uh, but like, cause the, the hot ones are hot. We, Andrea sent me a list and it was. <laughs> I know, I sent you my favorites. Yeah, and, and, like, and it was, uh, they were hot off the presses. So you have some good some, favorites. There still were some tickets available when I sent that list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. yeah, no, I, uh, you know me. So you know by when I said uh, right after I got it, I meant a day or two. The one Sundays we were this year I want to give a shout out to is because the one, I, the one I cannot review because a good friend of mine worked on it, and that is God's Country. Um, with uh, starring the wonderful Tandoe Newton uh, based on a James E. Burke short story uh, directorial debut of Julian Higgins very um, uh, spare and powerful a movie that is not afraid to be quiet for long periods of time which I always admire because most movies are very chicken shit about that and Mm -hmm. uh, her performance is extraordinary so check that out 
Hell yes, I definitely will. Uh, once again, vote for that so it could be in the awards. <laughs> <laughs> On today's show, we're going to be sinking our teeth into some seriously Shakespearean cinema. That's right. It's one Coen Brothers take on the tragedy of Macbeth. Later on, we will each make our case for Denzel Washington's most intense, most scene-chewiest, most badass performance. And of course, we'll bring you some staff picks. But before we get into all that drama, it's time for IDIDIC. It's a clever acronym for Is This Important? Do I Care? Each of us will read a news segment and answer the all-important question, Is This Important? Do I Care? And first up, you know it's time for the Batman. The Batman will be one of the longest superhero films ever made. I'm sorry. Did you just cough the Batman? No, I, I said the Batman as the Batman. As I was Batman. A, the, my yeah, bad, yeah. my bad, my bad. He was in character. Yeah, in yeah, character, I was in character. You. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, no, everyone's talking about the latest Batman movie creatively named The Batman. But this week, instead of talking about star Robert Pattinson or how the movie fits into the whole DCECU situation, the news is that it's going to be one of the longest superhero movies ever. And you know, with these runtimes lately, that's saying something. Uh, truly to me, someone who, after the two stanzas of Shakespearean English I heard, hit pause to see how long this movie was going to be. Uh, so I'm just saying that to say brevity ain't all that bad the movie which was originally supposed to come out in the summer of 2021 then the fall of 2021 is now hitting theaters on march 4th and apparently clocks in at two hours and 55 minutes that's about six minutes shorter than avengers endgame which was the culmination of a decades-long series of marvel films it's over 20 minutes longer than christopher nolan's the dark knight is this important do you care First off, I just want to keep hearing you say, the Batman. <laughs> it's too funny. Also, I will be referring to this as the Batman. Because if you're going to put cricket. that article in there, a Batman is a servant. It's like, it's part of, I think it was sort of tied to you, the British military, but like you're assigned like the aristocracy who served as captains or whatever. I don't know, military shit. The it's trust related me, to badminton. A Batman. I think it's very I think funny. it goes back to cricket seriously, but I don't know. It very much might, but it's absolutely a servant. It's like a valet type, which is why I like that they kept this here. This being so long, and it is, I'm glad you brought up the comparison to Endgame, a very long film, but had like 17 lead characters, <laughs> storylines from 20 plus films to tie up. Like there was so much stuff in there. Many people could argue that it still wasn't warranted at a good three hours, but at least you're like, I can see. For the Batman, I haven't seen it. I don't know how they're using that time, but it's rare that there is a longer film in the blockbuster realm that I think is taking advantage of its running time in ways that are artistic or narratively inspiring. There's certainly <laughs> longer other films that I'm like, yes, please keep going. Drive My Car, one of my favorite films of the year, about a thousand hours long. Felt like five minutes. Like there, It can be a tool for filmmakers, but for something like this, I just am like, ooh, I don't, are you trying to do an origin within this for every effing villain or what yeah you like at? i love i love a long movie where it's like you know getting a, a, a big fat novel and curling up in front of a fireplace with it but yeah if it's just long because it can be and maybe doesn't need to be who knows i haven't seen this movie either i'm not going to prejudge uh i i 
you know, think the director is pretty good. I, I think his apes movies were fine. I liked Cloverfield. <laughs> so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see where this goes, but you know, I, I think brevity is the soul of wit is maybe what you were going for earlier. Um, if he, and, uh, and yeah, more brevity in movies like this would it's always appreciate it. Like certainly when I'm doing my job and I sit down, I know a movies 85 minutes long. It's like, you just gave me a present, you know? Yeah, but then, but but then I just watched you know the worst person in the world last night for the second time and it's over two hours and I love it. Yeah, it is funny because I think you know you nailed it when we talked about movie length a while ago, Alonzo, where it's like a good movie. No, uh, no good movie is too long and no bad movie is short enough. Yes, Ro- Roger yeah, Ebert said that. Yeah, uh, shout out to my man Roger Ebert. Uh, uh, always had banger lines. Uh, remember, as a kid, was mad he didn't like American Pie. Um, <laughs> uh but yeah no and i mean you put in the long in the long halloween so i guess uh, i guess i guess so but like like i think we're all saying we'll just have to see the real long halloween (laughs) um and if he doesn't make it worth it we will definitely bring that up plenty Hmm. um because i'm sure we'll discuss that one because i love any film about a valet so <laughs> it's kind of a remains of the day sort of thing. Exactly. The Batman. You guys, I've decided I'm going to have a single transition within Itadick. I'll be using it from here moving forward in forever. And that transition is speaking of movies. <laughs> speaking of movies, you guys, Anna de Armas fans sued Universal because she was cut out of the motion picture yesterday. That is right. Some fans of actor Ana de Armas are finally getting around to watching the 2019 film Yesterday, which we discussed on this very movie podcast here. Many yesterdays ago. Many yesterdays ago. It's making them feel like all their troubles are here to stay. Thanks, new (laughs) producer Marissa, for that one. According to Variety, after paying nearly $4, four human American dollars, to rent the film on Amazon... Two Day Armas fans were extremely disappointed to find she wasn't in the movie at all. They claim they only rented the movie because they saw her in the trailer. Naturally, they are now filing a class action suit accusing Universal Pictures of deceptive marketing. Is this important? Do you care? We are going to make this budget back $4 at a time <laughs> from the unsuspecting fans of Ana de Armas. And here I thought. I was the horniest person on the internet, <laughs> but I've never met someone so horny that they're suing a company because they went, I wanted to see her. If that if that's the case, then let me go ahead and uh, sue Ridley Scott for cutting out the sex scene with Lady Gaga. And if we if that's if that's the precedent, just know I'm going straight to the that's courts why on that. This story I, is important to me. I hope this becomes <laughs> such a thing that every time and, and I hope it goes not just from Oh, this was in the trailer and it wasn't in the movie. Like this actor was in the trailer, not in the movie. That happens all the time. There's always those set pieces. I want it to be like, well, I was pretty sure the trailer was implying that those two people were going to be friends. And they were not. (laughs) I would like my money and $10 million in damages. 
I rented Real Genius and was furious to discover that they cut the scene where Val Kilmer is in a lawn chair held aloft by helium balloons. I demand my money back and keys to the studio. This is why I know I shouldn't be an exec, because I definitely would have just been like, what's your Venmo? I'll give you the $4 back. <laughs> out of my pocket. Then I'll give you the 4 Yeah, my yeah, here you go. Get, get on my face. I guaranteed they're suing for a lot more, because oh, oh, of I'm course sure they there's are. like the emotional Emotional damage, exactly. Yes. Of not having all of the art. I'm like, just watch the trailer four more times, pervert. Ugh. Come on. Trailers are free. Here's a free rental of No Time to Die. You can just watch her part of the movie. It's the best right? thing in it. First off, they do. They currently are. That's what they're watching right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, maybe it's the Affleck brothers. Who knows? That would be an interesting twist in all this. (laughs) Moving on. uh, On Mark Maron's podcast this week, he and actor Peter Dinklage got into the topic of Disney's planned live action remake of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Yes, you thought they'd done all the live action remakes, but no, they're not done yet. Uh, Dinklage's thoughts on the subject echoed the name of the podcast itself, WTF. Here's what he had to say. Take a step back and look at what you're doing there. Yeah. I know. That makes no sense to me. But, oh, so what, you what, be, you're progressive in one way, and then, but you're still making that fucking backward oh, story of about- seven dwarves <laughs> living in a cave to get, what the fuck are you doing man we you know have yeah, i yeah. have i done nothing to advance the cause <laughs> from my soapbox i guess i'm not loud enough uh, disney has announced their casting west side story breakout star rachel zegler as snow white and all love and respect to the to the actress and to the people who thought they were doing the right thing. But I'm just like, Joe, you don't. What are you doing? Uh, earlier today on the day we're recording, Disney responded, sort of. A spokesperson said that, quote, to avoid reinforcing stereotypes from the original animated film, we are taking a different approach with these seven characters and have been consulting with members of the dwarfism community, unquote. Is this important? Do you care? What I want to know is what does Amanda Bynes's Sydney White have to say about this? Because they did already remake this terrible oh, well, the story. Snow White and the Huntsman and Mirror Mirror. Yeah. Like, this comes up all the time, well, but this is specifically the Disney version. It, it's Well, it's so funny because uh, this was such an interesting kind of way to think about it because I had to take my head out of my, like, nerd ass for a bit because, you like, I was like, well, ass? Yeah, well, to get in the always. zone here, uh, sure. uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, in 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 the uh, supportive ally ass, yeah, uh, that's. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, because you know I've always been like, yeah, dwarves like you know the dwarves you see in D and D, like what I and then like you never thought and it's like, oh well, no, this could mean something to yeah, this could be a story about you know dwarves and uh that's uh, that that's genuinely all i'm gonna speak on it because i feel like no i think uh, you should um, keep going i don't think there's any yeah. way that it could go poorly for you oh yeah i mean I you know just but it's to me i guess saying. yeah i guess to me it was like this gave a new perspective on this story that i never even considered i just bitched about this last week we just talked about disney movies with um red flags and problematic elements and i brought up snow white specifically that there's multiple things one the weird indentured servitude of living and working for the dwarves and two all of the like the non-consensual kissing but even in talking about that did i bring up the fact that like yeah it's it's not great (laughs) you know with the recent passing of Sidney poitier i was reading about how 
for a long time, he was sort of Hollywood's one bankable black actor. And like, he was the one person that studios felt like, yes, he can open a picture for us. And I hear there's other people with talent. I don't want to know about him. I've got Sidney Poitier. And part of the burden of being that guy is that when he would be doing press on a film and there had just been like a race riot in Watts or something, like everybody was turning to him for his opinion. Like it was on him to say, you know, that he was for it or against it or whatever. And it was like this, this sort of burden of having to be, you know, Hollywood's spokes black guy. And I was thinking like Peter Dinklage is the Sidney Poitier of little people actors right now. He's the only one who gets like the high profile roles. He's the star. And now he has to be the guy with the opinion about stuff. And he's got to be the one to say, Hey, Disney, um, could we maybe not do this that way? And I, I mean, it, that's neither here nor there, and I'm glad he's using his powers for good. It's just, I find it's interesting that that here we are in this supposedly more enlightened era, and we're doing this thing again, where if we have one person from a community who gets elevated and, and you know, turned into a celebrity, then we don't need to worry about giving anyone else from that community similar opportunities or, you know, finding out what their opinions about it might be, you know? So uh, I, I think- Warwick Davis is right there for instance ready to talk i think peter dinklage is great i just i I, I just think it sucks for him to have to be the guy who has to like school hollywood about what they're doing wrong oh i do and i i also agree with his angle on this that their whole point of we should get credit for casting this latina actress as snow white and look at us we're a whole new disney and to to bring that out and then to not say when they do that, we're also addressing these other issues that <laughs> exactly. are cooked into this fiber. Um, it's not Peter Dinklage's job to do that. And yet it fell on him. Small side note. I saw him 15 years ago outside the bourgeois pig, like right after station agent came out. He's so beautiful. Oh my God. And I was like, uh, I did the l- most leering I think I've ever done at a handsome actor in my life, and he was like, no, thank you. I'm going to be making <laughs> comments to the press about this later, lady. I'm like, okay, bye. Um, so, yeah, I think that's important as well. He's a, he's a, he is a dreamboat. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, uh, let's, let's, let's hear from a couple of other dreamboats uh, who will be on these ads. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're talking Denzel, we're talking McDormand, and we're talking the tragedy of Macbeth. Really hope it's us. <laughs> the beginning of a new year is a great time to finally start things like working out, checking out a diet, or thinking about your financial future. You can start investing in no time with Wealthfront's classic portfolio or make it your own with things that you care about, like socially responsible funds, technology, or hundreds of other investments. Wealthfront was designed by financial experts to help you turn your good ideas into great investments without the hassle of doing everything yourself. Wealthfront is trusted with over $28 billion in assets, helping nearly half a million people build their wealth. To start building your wealth and get your first 5000 managed for free for life, go to Wealthfront.com forward slash MaxFilm. That's W-E-A-L-T-H. F-R-O-N-T dot com slash M-A-X-F-I-L-M to start building your wealth. Go to Wealthfront.com forward slash MaxFilm to get started today. So if you are around cooler people than I am, you have probably heard about microdosing. 
And also, if you are around uncool people like me, you can search around a bit on the internet and you'll find out all sorts of people are microdosing to feel healthier and perform better. Yeah, our show today is sponsored by Microdose Gummies. Microdose Gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. It's not, you know, you're not trying to go on your Harold and Kumar adventure. You're trying to just do work, clean your house, uh, maybe laundry, things that you can keep it going without, you know, staring at a uh, nice uh, multicolored poster that's kind of fuzzy. Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, just do a quick search online or go to microdosegummies.com and use code MAXFILM to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show notes, but again, that's microdosegummies.com and code M-A-X-F-I-L-M. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Ify Wadiway. In the studio with me are... Drea Clark. Alonzo Duralde. And now, stars, hide your fires. Let not light see my black and deep desires. Yep, you guessed it. We're talking about the tragedy of Macbeth. Joel Cohen's new movie adaptation of Shakespeare's famous Scottish play, which, if you didn't know, you have to say that in theaters. You don't call it Macbeth. It's bad luck, so you say Scottish play. By the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. The movie stars Denzel Washington as Macbeth and Frances McDormand as, who else, Lady Macbeth. The movie is streaming on Apple TV+. Plus. Andrea, why don't you kick things <laughs> off by providing us with a brief synopsis? Oh, yes. No spoilers, though. The famously <laughs> brief synopsis of Macbeth. <laughs> um, I will say, just for our purposes, yes. Um, Macbeth is a, a, a lordly type at war at the beginning of this. He and his buddy and fellow warrior Banquo are coming back from the, the battlefields. And um, basically, they encounter three witches, which we're definitely discussing, um, who give them this vision that Banquo will sire a bunch of kings, but Macbeth will be king. And then Macbeth gets very jazzed about this, especially when he finds out that he's getting sort of knighted and moved up the ranks by the king. Um, and and so, that no man of woman born can, yes. bring it, can kill him. And there's a whole thing with Woods. They have to, you know, it's prophecy, witch stuff. You guys get witch stuff. My yeah. people. Anyway, he's Always psyched about this. Yeah. He's super in love with the idea of being king once it's planted in his brain. Also, so is his wife once it's mm. planted in her brain. And this leads to when the king comes their way and they're kind of a little squeezy because of the king, like, crowning his own son to move him into prince whatever stuff basically they kill the king they kill all his people they cover it up they start all this stuff they get real bloody she starts to lose her damn mind it's just a lot of plotting scheming death maneuvers Macbeth. yeah all that ambition look i'm gonna I'm keep it all the way funky with you the listeners everyone before me Molly and I were watching this, and I was watching it in earnest. And it was, and, and I was watching it, and it was good. And we got about to act two, mid-act two. And Molly turned to me and said, what's happening? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> and I don't think rewinding would help. 
Did you have the captions? So on? I pulled out the I the, I I kept I was on this like should I see the caption? I was like, but it's gonna say what I'm hearing, so it's not understanding. That's the problem. It's the shit that he's because I and this is someone who was Duke Senior and as you like it. This is the most Shakespeare in his bag ass play where he's doing this. So I had the Macbeth Wikipedia up of the play <laughs> while I watched this movie to get what was going on and repeated it to Molly where I was like, okay, so here's what I, when he was talking about all the blood and ghosts and shit. Oh, that's when he decided to kill the king. Uh, so when he was talking about the floating dagger. But I say all this to say the same way that Shakespeare was in his bag when he wrote this, allegedly, if to, to some historians, Joel was in his bag when he was making this. Uh, gotta say, probably uh, most black people in a Cohen film since Lady Killers. So shout out to that. Uh, just shout out to that. Uh, I'm not counting the Fargo TV shows. We're talking about Cohen cinema at this point. Also, uh, it's not like there was a tremendous amount of black people in this motion picture. <laughs> yeah, but but they they had they Still they had it, it going. Yeah. Um, which I'm more like, than at the Globe you know, Theater. Ethan, so, so you know, you know, Ethan got to come hard on his solo joint because now we're looking <laughs> at who, who. <laughs> but, but like, I really liked visually the stuff they did because I can tell, I, you could tell immediately they were trying to do like a semi grounded take on it where because this this play has witches and all this stuff and it was these three witches, but in this version, it seems to be one witch who has. She's playing three, three characters. Yes. But sort of it's, simultaneously in one body. And and yeah, and also contortioning. And she's, oh, a, yeah. she's a she's a mid-sixties contortionist. This woman Give her the statue. No, I want her when there was that whole there was a Twitter thing going around recently of like, who would you have host the Oscars? Like it started by the Academy, and I was like, I know. I would like I don't want Catherine Hunter, the actress. I want Catherine Hunter as the witches <laughs> to host the Oscars. She's fantastic. Honestly, she's, to me, was the shining highlight of this film. I'm glad you brought up the staging of it. Well, actually, I'm glad you brought up several things. Uh, I was an English major and studied a lot of Shakespeare. And I say that with coming like from maybe a different angle than you. I still was like, what do I... And, and I also conflate them a lot because... If you oh, yeah. read a lot of Shakespeare, they start to blur together. And I'm like, wait, is he, is this one, is this, am I in Denmark? Where am I? Oh, no, no, yeah, no. Yeah. This is, is this not the Coriolanus that I see yeah, before? Yeah, we, no, no. We're waiting for to be or not to be. That's, that's <laughs> where we were. That's, that's where we were in this one. Is Romeo showing up soon? Is there a Romeo here? No, I, but, but saying yeah. that, it's still, it takes a minute to get back into that language. It's, it it is. It's something you either are used to. It's beautiful, and and how Shakespeare wrote. And I actually agree with Alonzo saying, like putting the captions on in this case are different. Well, I know you all love to watch things with captions, but when you're watching them here, the lyricism and how language is used, it's it's different than just sort of conveying dialogue. And if you're new at one of the shows, it's it's always better to read it before you see it. So if you have to yeah. do it simultaneously, that works too. Right. And, but I'd also say they were made for the stage, their plays, certainly, but they're also, it's not storytelling like we're used to. And I think the tragedy of Macbeth is trying to hew pretty closely 
to the actual like Shakespearean full story. Oh yeah. And with that, there's a lot in there that I think if you're going in as a modern viewer, just how you watch cinema can buck against the storytelling. It can be the like, because in this you are, you're straight up the first 10 minutes of it are two guys who show up and they're like reporting. It's, it's our lead, right? It's Macbeth and Banquo and they're reporting and they're like, here's what's up. And the other guy's like, okay, here's what's up. Except for that takes like 10 to 12 minutes. Of Previously on Macbeth. <laughs> yeah. Like they're giving you so much dense information. Some of it you need because there's all these machinations. Some of it you don't. It's just flourishing because it sounds beautiful. And I think that there will be a lot of people that this, that I don't know. I think it would be a very stripped down Shakespearean adaptation to be really accessible, especially one of the tragedies. I think that there's so much in here that I don't think every viewer can get on. And I don't mean that in a condescending way, because I also was hitting those hiccups of, okay, (laughs) I I enjoy either reading this more or like if you're on a state, but Alonzo, how about you? Yeah, I mean, it's a really spare adaptation in a lot of ways. There's a lot of these sort of like kind of stark, almost sort of Mussolini fascist architecture going on. Lots of archways and long tables and, you know, big blank empty rooms. Uh, for me, what's tricky about it is the it, it's the remake conundrum in a way. Like, obviously, yes, Shakespeare is constantly being reinterpreted and reimagined. But, like, I think there have been some really great filmed Macbeths that sort of stick in the memory and you you wind up competing with them whenever you come back to this well, you know. So I watch this one and I can't not think about like Kurosawa's Throne of Blood or Polanski's Macbeth, you know. And then also it kind of, when I think when you're doing Shakespeare on film now, it helps if there's some reason why you're doing it apart from like, this is a good play and I like these actors and I want to do I'm sure like at some point Joel Cohen and, and Francis McDormand over the dinner table had the conversation of you know I should play Lady Macbeth on that yeah I'll direct that uh, you know Alonzo I'm, I'm gonna step in to say that's literally exactly what happened oh okay I read that I read the article <laughs> that where Joel explained how this came and it was Francis McDormand was like I want you to direct oh, me wow. and Macbeth on the stage and he was like oh I don't do that I'm a filmmaker <laughs> man I, yeah 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 he was like I will I will watch you on stage and come up with the film version interesting and then and that's and that's how this came. I, to I would be. think telling your wife you want a director's Lady Macbeth would be grounds for divorce. But if it's oh, her yeah. idea, then you know, <laughs> yeah, sure. You know what I'm she you wanted you, to. You know who you remind me of. <laughs> you could totally nail this. Um, but anyway, I, I didn't get the the sense of like what this what was sort of driving this production. You know, like you know, again, Polanski's version was very much like post Manson dealing with like, you know, bloody awful things in in the wake of, you know, the loss of Sharon Tate, um, you know, like Olivier's uh, uh, Henry V is a, a, a British propaganda film about going to war with the Nazis disguised as a Shakespeare movie. You know, like I think the best Shakespeare adaptations are dragging something in. It doesn't necessarily mean they have to be modernized or, you know, like it's set in space, but it does have to have some sort of motivation behind it that feels of the moment, that feels like the filmmaker is using this classic text as a way to express something. And I didn't get that here. As much as I admire all the trappings, all the performances, love the witch, love, uh, you know, a lot of good good bench of, of supporting characters, loved looking at this thing, um, but it just didn't set me on fire the way like a really great Shakespeare adaptation can because those are usually 
about something besides what the play's about. Like there's a subtext. I love you saying that. I hadn't thought about that, especially in relation to the production design, but that is it. Like what I liked about the production design is, I mean, the whole thing just looks fantastic. Mm. That also includes the cinematography, like yes. all of it's, it's beautifully shot. Like it's Burnham so, and Wood, the best Burnham I was wood, just wood, wood I've ever the, seen. The Dunsman or whatever, like the, yeah. the wood approaching them, which is these soldiers carrying these branches. It just, it looks, and all of those things, they look very theatrical and like and the theater. I mm. mean, and there is a sense of, oh, you made a stage play cinematic by building sets that look like the most grandiose versions you could ever have on a stage. Right. And then lighting the hell out of them and shooting the hell out of them. And all of that, it's it's this, oh, it's very virtuosic and very impressive. But it, you're right, it didn't. I didn't connect with it in an emotional way. And I also, it took apart, like I've watched other versions of this or I've, in reading it, got an idea of the concept of their ambition and why that's like a relatable driving force and how that can overtake people. And you make one bad decision and then you have to make all these others and how it catches up with you psychologically. But in this version, I immediately was like, settle down, guy. Like, <laughs> you're either going to get promoted or you're not. What's your problem? You live in a fucking castle. You know, I wasn't, it didn't give me the same like... This is why they want it. Right. And and I can't fault a performance for that. I can't fault. It's, it's this sort of overall it's takeaway a, that it's I a, they are the, Mac the Macbeths here are, are pretty cool customers. And you, you sometimes you really need that bloodlust, I think. That ache that they, that they just, the, 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 the striving, the ambition, the like, the, the deadly ambition, you know, uh, but of the two of them. And they're, they're a little chill. They're a little chill. <laughs> they both nail the language, though. I oh, will yeah, say. yeah. Tomorrow. And tomorrow and tomorrow. Creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time. I could listen to Denzel just trip over those words. And by trip, I mean, like, delicately dance with not yes. fumble no, they he, iambic pentameter like nobody's business yeah he oh, yeah. you know some people can deliver and some people can't and he knows what he's doing with those lines and he also does that element of imbuing meaning to them you know when you hear a great actor perform shakespeare and all of a sudden something you could have read 20 times that made no, no sense to you mm -hmm. you're like oh right he meant go around the corner like <laughs> so I do think Denzel has a handle on like what he's doing with the character in that way. But you're right. It didn't. There was a lack of sort of bloodlust. <laughs> you know what I want from my movies is more bloodlust, you guys. <laughs> Corey Hawkins is the name I was f fishing for. Uh, I was talking about the, the excellent McDuff. supporting cast. Yeah, his McDuff was intense. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, what is your take on the black and white? Do you feel like uh, that was the go-to choice? Is do you do you feel like there was some inspiration behind it? You know, I, it's it's. I think it's it's a choice, and it should always be a choice. Um, you know, the, there was an era not that many decades ago where you know movies were in color or they were in black and white, and they just sort of like. It didn't. It didn't seem like a bold move. I mean, this year we've had quite a few, obviously between like this and uh, Belfast and 
well, like two or three, two or three other movies, uh, like from the end of, of 2021, that are that are shot in black and white. This one felt more, as opposed to some movies I've seen, like a more sort of deliberate kind of. You know, I think there's a. Sometimes we we blur the line between is it in black and white or is it just not in color. You know, but I think this was very. There, there's a lot of shadow. There's a lot of grayscale going on that Bruno Delbonet is doing, and um, you know, obviously you could thematically tie it in with the fact that the Macbeths are an interracial couple in this film. But I think also it really it brings a real sense of the gloom to like the foggy battle sequences, you know, I think they just feel extra cold and extra, you know, uh, just kind of tangibly sort of uncomfortable. And I think it, it gives something to what Dre was talking about. Those, those, the sort of grand staging, those walls that just go on forever in the movie. I think the black and white allows for a certain level of depth. Um, you know, a Bogdanovich quote that I just heard after he died recently was that when he was going to shoot Last Picture Show, he asked Orson Welles, he said, I want to get that depth of focus that you had in Citizen Kane where, like, you know, the camera pulls way back and there's a lot of different planes and everything is in focus. And he's and Welles was like, well, then you, you have to shoot it in black and white. And that actually wound up being the perfect thing for that film because it's all about the past and nostalgia anyway. And so, yeah, I think that visually it, it allows for things that – color doesn't quite do as well things like like the burnham wood i think maybe wouldn't have been as cool mm. if we had seen the color of the leaves or whatever of the branches uh, as this sort of big mass movement with these with the wood and everything i think it perfectly worked in black and white do you think though that the black and white added to that lack of kind of visceral bloodlust like you literally see all these killings right with no blood well like you, you know. i mean the psycho was in black and white you know and there was plenty of blood in that <laughs> so that's wait you think you think psycho's scary what no, <laughs> so that, that's that was cohen's choice i agree with you i don't think it's impossible to have both of those things i don't think it automatically like cancels it out but i do wonder if if there was a sense of viscera to it if there was a sense of um, there is a certain level of like abstract that happens when you're in black and white because you're not seeing things the way your right. eye sees them in, in life, you know. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. Iffy, because is this your first time seeing Macbeth? Uh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and Macbeth is definitely one of the Shakespeare plays that have eluded me uh, and, and slipped through my fingers. Was so. it your Rashomon of Shakespeare? Well, no, I don't reference Macbeth ever. Oh, okay. uh, so, <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, yeah, now I know. Will. Now I'm gonna be like, this is a very, very Macbeth. But there was like, I was watching, being like, I wonder if I, I'm gonna notice any like thematic, you know, similarities that were borrowed from it. And I mean, like on the base level, yes, but like nothing like in the as exciting. Oh, I think but, in any writer's room, at some point, you could pull out the, you know, what to 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 move to to turn back now would be as tedious as to move forward. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. The, the only way is uh, is I've 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 used something wicked this way comes ah. because I saw it on like a shirt and I thought it was. You just probably a cool saw it on a Harry say. Potter shirt or the Ray Bradbury novel. Also, oh, also, yeah, the toil and trouble, double, double, toil and trouble, fire burn and cauldron bubble. That is like that became like the baseline witch thing. It's like we're gonna say toil and trouble and throw weird things <laughs> into a pot. And I was like, oh, th it, that's Macbeth. Uh, so I want you was... to work in out out damn spot in the most <laughs> unexpected way, preferably about someone's pet dog. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All right, that's my new. That's my new. Um, Your new challenge. My new goal. 
Yeah. But I have a challenge for you two. Like, tell me what's the... <laughs> I'm sorry, super producer uh, versus just like, you know, put her hands up. Did I say... Did she I, gave did, a thumbs up to your challenge? segue and it uh, totally un- uh, unloaded yeah, yeah, your segue. I, okay. Oh, yeah. Sorry. No, that's fine. <laughs> if he doesn't get praise ever, it, it, it throws him. You can't cheer him on till the dismount. Yeah. Like, it's only during the commercials. Wait till, <laughs> gotta wait till he's stuck yeah. the landing yeah. or it's just yeah, not yeah. working. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, but I have a challenge for y'all. Uh, can y'all give me y'all rating for this movie? You got there, the guy. Cha- you got yeah, there. Yeah, we, you know, it took some time. We, you know, it, it was like seeing somebody driving the right way, think they were driving the wrong way, then drive back. Talk about, like, talk about waiting in blood. Um, I will say stream it uh, with, with a caveat. I would say screen it if you really want to drink in the cinematography. And and the 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 black and white uh, ness of it all, and 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 I agree with Ray. It's a it's a mixed bag in terms of what it what it gives to this movie and what it maybe takes away from this movie. But generally speaking, I think this works as a stream. I think that the the performances I don't think are going to be lost in any way watching them uh, on your TV on Apple TV Plus. And I think you should absolutely turn those subtitles on because it's just easier. Li- I, I have them on for everything now because I'm old and everyone's mumbling. But I think for Shakespeare especially, it's like going to the opera. You know, even if whether it's in English or not, they've got all the words real big up there on top of the stage. It just makes it like your life easier. I saw an opera version of The Fly. And it was in like of Cronenberg, right, right. The fly in English, and they still put the uh, the words up on the the sort of opera teleprompter for the audience. Um, I'm also a stream it, and my caveat: I did not watch this with the subtitles on, but you guys know I I rarely do, even if it's in sign language. <laughs> I will still soldier through. Oh Purist. my goodness! Here you go, Coda. But I I really wish that I had. My my caveat though for this is, and I'm I'm hesitant to say because I do think people should enrich themselves, be familiar with Shakespeare, get your culture going. But also, I think it's fine if you are not like don't think less of yourself if you start something like this and you're like I'm not connecting. I don't like there's I I would hate for anyone to be like torn away or become disinterested in Shakespeare or reading more or watching more of his work because they watch, they tried to watch one big thing and it, and it didn't, you know, float their boat. Read that wiki page first. There's no shame in it. Yeah. 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 No, uh, read along. I would say, um, that's, that's actually why I would say mine. If you're going to scream it, still stream it first. Uh, so while you're in the big screen, you're not bugging people, with your phone out with the Wikipedia. Uh, yeah, no, this, this, I, I, I look, I, like I said, I've been a part of a Shakespeare production. You know, now my co-mates and brothers in exile hath not old custom made life more sweet than that of painted pomp. Are not these woods more free from peril than that of the envious court here? Phil, we Joel, give me a call. We could do that one. Cause that one, you know, less, less flowery. Uh, so that was I will good, say, honey, you did so good. Yeah, they, there is there's not you, a tunic you. on earth that can contain those thighs if you want away. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's gonna be busting out. It's gonna I'm gonna look like the fashion over Shakespeare uh, character, but you gotta come through. Um, but no, um, definitely stream it. Uh, and but it's so beautiful that you would want to screen it eventually, but stream it first with subtitles, and and go ahead and whip that Wikipedia out too. Uh, but right now, take a deep breath, 
because we will be right back after we take a short break. See you in a bit. there. I'm Ellen Weatherford. And I'm Christian Weatherford. And we've got big feelings about animals that we just got to share. On Just the Zoo of Us, your new favorite animal review podcast, we're here to critically evaluate how each animal excels and how it doesn't, rating them out of 10 on their effectiveness, ingenuity, and aesthetics. Guest experts give you their takes informed by actual real-life experiences studying and working with very cool animals like sharks, cheetahs, and sea turtles. It's a field trip to the zoo for your ears. So if you or your kids have ever wondered if a pigeon can count, why sloths move so slow, or how a spider sees the world, find out with us every Wednesday on Just the Zoo of Us in its natural habitat on MaximumFun.org. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Somewhere between science and superstition, there is a podcast. Look, your daughter doesn't say she's a demon. She says she's the devil himself. That thing is not my daughter. And I want you to tell me there's a show where the hosts don't just report on French science and spirituality, but take part themselves. Well, there is, and it's Ono, Ross, and Carrie on Maximum Fun. This year, we actually became certified exorcists. So yes, Carrie and I can help your daughter. Or we can just talk about it on the show. Ono, Ross, and Carrie on MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Sophie Wadiway, and I am joined, as always, by... Alonzo Duralde. Daria Clark. And today, we're going to enter the Hall of Excellence, the place where we honor greatness in film. Cinema, some would say. Denzel Washington's star turn as Macbeth is just the latest in a career chock full of intense and commanding performances. So each of us has come prepared with our nominee of most badass Denzel performance. We're going to make our case, hype up our candidate, and then leave it to you, the listeners, to tell us which story Denzel performance gets hoisted up into the rafters. So basically, if I'm getting this right... We are doing a death battle where we are each going to pitch what we think is the best Denzel Washington performance. We're going to lay out our cases, make the plea, and we're giving that power to the public? Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, if I wasn't already paying $5 to uh, support the pod, getting power like that, <laughs> uh, that that pushed me over to this. They're going that, full Joaquin that, Phoenix thumbs up, thumbs down on this one. <laughs> this is this yeah. is your Macbeth ambition moment. <laughs> yeah. Please don't kill oh. anyone. <laughs> don't kill your king, but vote for me and my pick. All right. Who wants to start? Uh, I'm going to go with one that uh, I'm thinking that y'all maybe have not, will not have picked um it, now obviously we're talking about like intense ferocious denzel today like i love mississippi masala but like you know he's he's adorable in that movie he's that is like the carrie grantist he's ever been in a film and so nobody thinks of that when they think of like full bore you know peel in the paint denzel washington performances uh but i'm gonna go for one that i think is um 
you know, really highlights his intensity, his uh, his his depth and range as an actor. And had there been any justice in the world, this would have kicked off a franchise, but it did not. Uh, and I am talking about 1995's Devil in a Blue Dress, uh, in which he plays legendary uh, detective fiction character Easy Rollins uh, from the Walter Mosley series of books. Um, he is out investigating a murder, you know, and uh, as is the classic case with all private movie PIs, you know, gets knocked around a lot and runs into the wrong people and falls in love with the wrong dame. Mr. Carter, why you stop running for mayor? I'll have Baxter write you a check. All right, why is Matthew Terrell looking for Daphne too? Baxter will write you a check. I'll take care. This is a very stylish, you know, some have called it the Black Chinatown. uh, And I I think that's, uh, you know, we we have not gotten a lot of really cool 40s period pieces with a mostly black cast. But like, this is a movie where Don Cheadle really broke out. It really gave Jennifer Beals uh, some meaty stuff to work with. Uh, Another great sort of roster of character actors here for director Carl Franklin. But Denzel Washington is so smooth and so dangerous and so smart and yet so, you know, led astray in this film. He's riveting and it's a really terrific movie. And I think it has slipped under many folks' radars. I would suggest you go check it out, particularly before you vote, because I don't want you just jumping in with the hits. I'm giving you a deep cut and you need to go listen to that deep cut before you make your final decision. That's all. How I'm dare you assume what we're gonna play? How oh, dare you? Oh, I know where this is going. Just, How uh, dare you? Well, let's just go. Let's let's see. Let's let's see if uh, if he's right, Drea. What you got? I want to tell you how much right now I wish I was going to say The Preacher's Wife, with Jim <laughs> and Whitney Houston, like just a fully curveball Alonzo, like, oh, because he is charming as hell in that. He is, at playing an actual Cary Grant role, actually. That's why I thought of it. Um, but no, I am going for a young man's performance. I, I think he was like 35 when he shot that, this, and that is when he played Private Silas Tripp in the motion picture glory. Mm. I mean, what's the point? Ain't nobody gonna win. It's just gonna go on and on. Can't go on forever. Yeah, but ain't nobody gonna win, so. Somebody's gonna win. Who? I mean, you, you get to go on back to Boston, big house and all that. What about us? What do we get? I'm not alone in thinking he was great because he did win an Academy Award for this performance. Why it stands out to me and why I think it is deserving of the Hall of Excellence. This is Denzel before people knew, before you could just say Denzel and know who you're talking about. You'd certainly seen him, I think, was Mo Better Blues before or around this? Like he'd been in things, but only a few things. This was this moment of putting him up against some more recognizable people, but not super distinguished. And did he blow everyone out of the water, but he still was like an ensemble player. And what he's doing in this character, if you want to just watch the whole movie, but you could just watch the scene. It's, it's set during the civil war. And certainly the movie glory has some problems. In fact, the entire thing should have been, it's about this African-American regiment. Um, It should have been through Morgan Freeman's perspective, but there's something about what he's doing as private trip 
that embodies so much anger and rage, but also pride and evolution. Like he has a full arc in it, like what you watch him go through and how he is caring of his fellow troops while still trying to retain some distance for self-protect. Like there's so much going on with every single glance. He's acting with his full body. He's acting with just his face. Just watch the scene. It's horrifying of him being flogged um, for going AWOL and Oh my God, it's a masterclass in 30 seconds. And again, it is before he was Denzel. And like when you went into that movie, you did not think that this young actor was the one who was going to do. And then he did. And I mean, to be that memorable. Just ugh. just so we don't get letters. Mo Better Blues was the following year. Okay, um, thank you. But this movie, Glory came two years after Cry Freedom, Cry Freedom. in which he played mm. Stephen Biko. And again, that movie should have been from his point of view, but Very it was much. all about Kevin Klein. Very much so. <laughs> and this one, also, I could get into a whole thing about the really interesting casting of Matthew Broderick, but I don't want to because I just want people to know when you are voting for the Hall of Excellence, it's Andrea Diane Clark's mm. choice that you should be getting behind. And that choice, again, is private trip in glory. Yeah. You know, look, you, I'm, I'm with you all here. There are so many great picks to go. Like, if you really wanted to go to a deep cut, you tap into a side of Denzel you never really got to see, like, carbon copy. Who's this young buck? Who's this young buck cracking me up like this, huh? Well, that's a D young Denzel Washington. Or you can go with hood classics like American Gangster, which has been sampled in so many rap albums. You can go on the one that made Iffy cry as a teenager, John Q, because that little kid flexing. Training Day, very controversial. Lots of people thought that he, you know, maybe should have got the oscar for it but you know we all know it was a makeup one and it was solid but there's one that i think we all shy away from because it seems obvious because it seems like it's got to be the choice but sometimes the obvious choice is just the choice you got to go with and that has to be spike lee's malcolm x you're not an american we didn't land on plymouth rock plymouth rock landed on us yeah, you, 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 you gotta go. I know this was the one I tried hard. Funny enough, I was actually gonna say Glory instead of Malcolm X because it was the obvious choice. But then Drea jumped on Glory. It's the second uh, time we've had the but, same uh, pick in the Hall of Excellence. But yeah, Malcolm X, it was just like, not only was it like this great performance, it was so good that when I was a kid and would learn about Malcolm X, I would see Denzel <laughs> Washington in my head, not the actual Malcolm X. Yes. Um, and the, yes, it was a stellar performance. We'd be surprised how many people learned about Malcolm X from Denzel Washington playing Malcolm X. Uh, there's not much that needs to be said. Y'all know what needs to be done, film fam. Y'all know y'all know the choice. So I'm not even gonna you know try to say any hints or assage to you know what you need. You know what you need to do. Thank you very much. Okay, vote for glory. <laughs> And look, if nothing else, if you if you if just if you watch uh, Devil in Blue Dress, that alone will be your reward. Because however sure. you vote, it's a terrific movie, and more people need to know about it. That was a that was a VHS that my mom had. Um, oh, I bet she did in her case. I put it back because I thought it sounded like it was porn. <laughs> it wasn't. That's Devil out of the out of a blue dress.
You have all heard our cases, and now it's your turn to weigh in. If you go to our Facebook page, you can vote on your favorite badass Denzel performance, or better yet, vote on which one of us won this Denzel debate. We'll let you know the results on next week's show. If you're not already a member of our Facebook group, get thee there post-haste, as Shakespeare might say. I've been talking about Facebook. <laughs> Uh, so you can find us there at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash maximum film. But now it is time for our staff picks. It can be any movie at all. Andrea, why don't you start? Okay, I'm so excited. I have been waiting to give this film as my staff pick forever for two years. Um, and it's finally out and available. It is called Definition Please. It is by a filmmaker named Sujata Day, and she wrote, directed, and stars oh, wow. in it. She's also recognizable to a lot of people from um, her role in Insecure. And I got to premiere this film at Bentonville in 2020, and Array, Ava DuVernay's company, picked it up for distribution. It is now on Netflix. I hope you see it. Um, Sujata plays a kind of former spelling bee champion who is grown and reconciling with her family and issues with her brother but it's very it's funny and thoughtful and just enjoyable she's a great young burgeoning filmmaker who deserves your support and i think you will enjoy the view so there you go definition please there it finally my spelling bee uh <laughs> style of saying and ending my state they it's actually totally say, accurate if you here. didn't end with the title i was gonna be really yeah. definition flummoxed. please there you yeah. go uh, so I had something else in mind, but just the conversation about Tragedy Macbeth made me look this up. Uh, Akira Kurosawa's Throne of Blood is currently streaming on HBO Max and the Criterion Channel, and it is great. Um, Kurosawa, known to Ify as the director of Rashomon, um, has done actually two super solid banger uh, uh, Shakespeare adaptations uh, Throne of Blood based on Macbeth and Ron based on King Lear uh, several decades later but Throne of Blood it's Toshiro Mifune and you want to see him be Macbeth and uh -huh. there's a lot of arrows in this um, because there's a lot of blood as the title promises uh, yeah for me this is a, a, a lot in, in a lot of different ways far more effective an adaptation um, than than what uh, Mr. Cohen and uh, and Denzel and Franny McDee are giving us. As much as I like a lot of things about that film, this one I think is going to be more of a keeper. And so uh, if you are now getting your feet wet in Macbeth adaptations, this is a good one to go to next. Tashira Mifune is also some eye candy. Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, so my uh, my my uh, staff picky, my staff pick, is, you know, like I said, I've been in the classics, like such films as Rashomon, and I went deep, and we actually mentioned this uh, just a couple episodes ago with our good friend Ricky, and I actually went and checked out In the Heat of the Night, and I must say phenomenal if you were you know with his passing just looking to check it out uh please do hbo max uh has a bunch ready to go don't be afraid jump in there and 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 watch cinema and also a lot of rashomon i think i saw on hbo max as well uh so he, hbo max is 
bring in the, the film. I still have a Criterion uh, account and a Canopy account uh, because Alonzo <laughs> will stop being friends with me if I do. Uh, so so just uh, make sure you're checking those out. And uh, But yeah, no, I really, I mean, I, I feel like I'm repeating myself because we kind of went deep into it, but it is sure. worth the hype. It, it feels really ahead of your time to have just this high status black man and deep the, south. like <laughs> shitty south uh you know yeah <laughs> deep south aka the <laughs> shitty south that's what i mean by the shitty south i can say that mom sides from louisiana the dirty dirty oh we'll be out there for all my birthday omicron willing uh <laughs> with that that's it for today's show adre and alonzo thank you for making this another excellent program thank you yeah sir. yeah of course always glad to be here in the digital booth with you and who knows before we know it, we'll be sweating in that tiny booth mm. together again your mouth <laughs> to the cdc's ears <laughs> well but you you yeah i'm talking to you listening if you have a comment or suggestion about this week's show tweet at us at maximum underscore film our facebook group can be found at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash maximum film and remember that's where you gotta go to vote for the most badass denzel performance and as a reminder your choices are from alonzo duralde's pick uh, Easy Rollins in Devil in a Blue Dress, Drea Clark's pick, uh, Private Trip in Glory, and my pick, the titular, Malcolm X from, you guess it, Malcolm X. Vote for uh, me! But vote, go Drea, ahead and this do is that. Drea, vote, vote for mine. This was Drea. <laughs> Look, you can email us at MaximumFilm at MaximumFun.org, and our producer is Marissa Flaxbart, and our senior producer is Laura Swisher. This is production of Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.